0: Welcome to How It's Med, a podcast about medical innovators and tastebreakers. My name is Abdo, and I'm Jeff. Together, we explore
1: the exciting stories of leaders in medicine and in the medtech industry.
0: You know how I really like going on walks? Yeah? It makes me feel great.
1: Wow, how topical. We just chatted with Dr. Melissa Lem a couple days ago. She's the founder of Parks Parx, how do you how do you pronounce that? It's
0: Parx. She's Jeffrey. Parx, right. Well, on top of that, she's had an amazingly unique career in media and movies. But we're here to talk about the interesting parallels between her work in nature prescriptions and that of medtech startups, right?
1: Right, right, right. Let's get started. Okay. How did you get to where you are, uh, Doctor or Melissa, if you would prefer?
2: Sure, you can call me Melissa. Um. Why don't we start back in my childhood? So when I was a a kid, I grew up in uh, Toronto, essentially, like a suburb of Toronto. And it it was a majority white neighborhood. And we were one of, obviously, very few racialized families living in that neighborhood. And I felt like a bit of an outsider at school, I have to say. Um, I was really focused on academics. Uh, The rest of the kids weren't necessarily, and we had a lot of kind of um, Chinese values that, that my parents really tried to inculcate in us. And so I found it was kind of in the bushes on the edges of the playground. It was in the park down the street um, from my home where I felt most at home because I felt like the trees weren't looking at me. The trees weren't teasing me. Um, when I walked down the sidewalk, there would be kids calling out racial slurs sometimes when I would be walking home. And so I just felt really at home in nature. And, and it was a place where I had lots of great, great memories. We also had a beautiful garden in our backyard um, where my dad would grow a lot of traditional Chinese vegetables and my mom had a rose garden and we had lots of fruit trees and that was also a place I would just kind of disappear in the summertime, disappear into after school and just watch the plants grow and, and harvest them and it was again a place where I found a lot of acceptance and, and kind of peace and a place to, I guess what I now know as um, a place to de-stress. Other places that I really loved when I was a kid uh, were the the parks that we went camping in. So, when I was about seven or eight years old, my parents took our whole family of five kids um, camping in Bruce Peninsula National Park for the first time, and uh, it was such a magical experience. Coming from a place where there were you could barely see the stars because the light from the city would kind of blank out the sky, just seeing thousands of stars in the sky and hearing the trees rustle overhead and and enjoying my first campfire. It was such a magical experience that I remember thinking, this is I this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and so I went through school, obviously graduated from high school, um, did my undergrad at U of T where I lived downtown, kind of in the urban jungle and found that fairly stressful for a number of reasons. Went to Ottawa for med school and always found during that time I would always want to kind of go by the Ottawa river. I would want to walk by the Rideau canal, um, try to get over into, into Gatineau to go into the beautiful parks there. I I just intuitively kind of turned to nature at those times without knowing that it was so good for me from a research-based level to, to de-stress. And then after residency, my first job was as a full service rural family physician um, in Hazleton, Northwest British Columbia. And. Again, there I found in the hospital garden, in the beautiful hiking trails and mountains and rivers that were were literally out my back door where I lived, um, I, I found a lot of solace and, and a lot of uh, way to de-stress. So when we moved back to Toronto for family reasons after a couple of years working in the Norris, we moved right essentially almost to downtown Toronto at Young and St. Clair, which I guess you could call midtown, but very busy with streetcars and and lots of noise and lights and people all the time. And I started working actually as an outpatient um, physician at student health service. So very different from the high intensity ER work and obstetrics and, and acute inpatient work that, that I was doing as a full service family doctor. And so I found myself really stressed, even more stressed actually, than working up, up in northern BC. And I thought one day as I was looking at my window and looking at the small little patch of blue sky and, and the sea tower in the distance and listening to the, the streetcars rumble by, I thought, why am I so stressed out? Like, even though the work is so much easier, I have, there are specialists on every corner. I have so many colleagues. Um, the acuity of the medicine is not as high. Why do I feel edgy? And so it was at that moment I thought, do you know what? I think, I think it's because I'm missing nature. And so like any good person who's educated in science and, and any physician. Evidence is really important, right? So I thought this, this effect, like this feeling I have, it can't Mm -hmm. be true unless it's grounded in evidence. And so I started doing a lit review and I found there was this huge wealth of information about the health benefits of nature out there that I had no idea about, even though I was really a nature lover. My, my family called me a tree hugger from my childhood. Anyway, so it was at that point that I thought there's this huge body of knowledge out here and I had no idea. I want my colleagues to know. I want patients to know. And from that point on, I just decided to make it my mission, basically, to to try to connect people to nature and educate society at large and the medical profession about how important nature is for our health.
1: That's amazing. So you basically took your own experiences as to how you felt, found evidence, and then have used that to, I guess, drive your mission forward or inspire your mission to make sure that others can enjoy nature just as much and benefit from the health aspects of it. That's- um that's great. That, that's really interesting. So what was the sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, and I think it's so much more compelling when you have a personal story because people always wonder when you're when you're so enthusiastic about something, what what's behind it? You know, like what drives you? And it really is that the personal connection I feel to nature and how how important it was for my health and well-being when I was growing up and, and through my entire career.
1: I know that you mentioned that stories are really important, but I, I guess going through your story. I, I found that you participate in in the media limelight quite a lot. So whether or not it's as health guests um, or whether or not it's in movies, you've, you've done that to various extents. I'm interested as to why you've done that and how that has kind of influenced your path.
2: I think the reasons for that really are similar to the reasons why I pursued family medicine as a specialty. And that's because I have a lot of diverse interests and I think stories and relationships um, and being able to kind of communicate those relationships and, and stories through different media and through different aspects of your life and work are so important. So, um, so I mean, it's really interesting. The whole reason I got into media was because I wanted an outlet to, to explore my artistic side. So when I lived up in northern BC, I actually played piano and violin for our local church. And I played in a lot of different um, music festivals, for example, out there. And then when I moved to Toronto, because I continued to do rural locums, it was really hard to find um, just local groups to join where you could be away all the time, essentially. Like if you join a musical group, a choir, an orchestra, you're, su- you're supposed to be there to practice every week. But I was away a lot. And so I thought, you know, what's another way I can, I can use my, my artistic skills? I can, I can um, engage in that artistic outlet. And I thought, you know, why, why don't I try actually acting was the first thing. This is actually something that I haven't really talked about in any public way. Um, and so I, in fact, actually started to take training in, in acting lessons, got an agent, started auditioning. And then one of the opportunities that came up was actually to be on um, CBC's former lifestyle show, Stephen and Chris. And so I went and did the audition. And I think my training in being able to, to kind of create relationship and really focus in on people when they're speaking to you, as well as being comfortable on camera and presentation and all that stuff, really helped the producers like what they see, and so I became a regular medical expert on Stephen and Chris for I think it was four or five seasons, um, and so it just kind of grew from there. and And again, I think stories are so important. I've always loved reading stories and writing ever since I was really young, and I think it's just another extension of of how to tell stories and and how to move people and and communicate to people is is that storytelling through media works through um, art, music, and film.
0: That's actually very interesting. I'm a bit interested in hearing about how being a medical resident expert on a show compares to being a, a doctor.
2: It, You know what? It's actually really similar in that you are trying to, to communicate complicated concepts um, that people might not be familiar with to to someone who's not necessarily an expert. So I think being able to communicate effectively in a clear and simple way to a wide audience is really a really important skill that we need as physicians. So in a way, I just took what I learned through my medical training um, in terms of how to communicate with patients and then kind of brought in the experience that I had with being on camera and forming a relationship on camera to to the work that I do in the media. And it's worked really well. And I think I feel like a lot of doctors, in fact, have those same skills. It's just you you need to take that step. You need a little bit of, I guess, courage <laughs> to take that step. And also, you know, you might not be interested in being in the media, but I think doctors can be extremely effective spokespeople and communicators in the media because we we've been trained and we practice every day how to communicate with everyday people.
0: That's awesome. A follow-up question on that then is, why do you think more doctors don't lean more towards the media if there seems to be a need of actual experts right now?
2: Well, I think a lot of it comes down to, to comfort level, right? Like not everyone want, wants to be in the media. A lot of people want to focus on, on other things like, like their work, perhaps like their families or education or, or putting forward a research agenda. But I think it's really important, like one of our roles as physicians is as advocates, and another one is as communicators. So it's just another realm in which we can we can uh, we can use those roles or we can exercise those roles. Um, but yeah, it totally depends on on your interests. I'm not saying that every physician should be should be in the media. Um, but it's something that I think a lot of us have hidden skills for and that we could pursue uh, in a bit more of a concerted way.
1: So, I mean, branching off that we've talked a lot about communication and I think communication is a huge part of what you're doing with PRX. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to communicate the fact that, uh, being in nature is, has been shown to positively impact people's health. I guess, tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the ins and outs of taking that idea of starting, uh, starting an evidence. Based movement and converting it into an actual like organization with partners and deliverables. How has that been for you? It seems like kind of a switch from a media role and from a role as a family physician.
2: So, first of all, everything that we do as physicians should be grounded in evidence. So I wanted to make sure that all of our resources, all of the recommendations that we had were backed up by science, were backed up by peer-reviewed articles and journals. So so I went about finding um the evidence that would that would support the message that i was trying to get across so once i felt like i was satisfied in terms of the evidence base and the resources that we had what's really important is moving that evidence into action right i think that's where a lot of us get hung up is we have these great ideas we have these great initiatives this great research but then how do we how do we mobilize the public how do we mobilize the rest of our medical community or even governments to to come along with us And so something that's really important in today's world, I think is, is having an online presence. So we put a lot of, um, we put a lot of, uh, resources and time into creating a really, I think like elegant and simple, um, and, and beautiful to look at website that had all of our information embedded in it. Um, we were really lucky to build on, uh, on park prescription initiatives that already exist in the U S and. The announcement of, of a multi-million pound pilot in the UK um, on green social prescribing that happened right around the time when we were trying to launch in, in Canada. And so I think building on the successes of our colleagues in the U.S. and then really harnessing this, this idea that, that came to fruition, I would say, during the pandemic, that outside is not only one of the safest places to be, but it's incredibly important for our mental health and physical health. I think that's something a lot of Canadians felt intuitively during the pandemic. Um, bringing all these ideas together and then making sure we had an attractive interface that physicians and the public could look at. And then again, really leaning really leaning on um on stories to to capture the attention of the media. we We brought all those pieces together, convinced a number of different health organizations, major health organization, and parks partners to come on and endorse. and then and then launched. And it's been really successful. I mean, every single launch we've done, we've done four launches now, Uh, our initial one in BC, and then in Ontario, and then Saskatchewan over the summer, and then just uh, last week in Manitoba. It's been covered extensively by every, every single major media outlet in the country. And again, I think it's that It's our time, you know, nature prescriptions were named one of the top eight global wellness trends in 2019. So we're riding that wave. But I also think, again, this intuitive understanding that that nature is really good for us. And the the fact that there's evidence to back it up, I think that's been really compelling for both the media and the public and, and our colleagues.
1: First of all, congrats. That sounds like some absolutely major moves were made. But what's fascinating to me out of all you said, was that you've referenced several ideas which are really parallel, or in fact, the same as sort of similar to um, ideas in the startup world, whether or not it's competitors and collaborators closing deals and making sure that you're able to go live or working with organizations to raise grants for funds. A lot of these are concepts that are used in medical entrepreneurship overall, but it's important to know that what you're doing isn't necessarily as revenue based as conventional medical startups. So I guess, how do those concepts apply to what you're doing? And is there any difference in your perception as to how your experiences as the founder of PRX, how has that been different from what you think a conventional medical entrepreneur would experience in their, I guess, journey towards in a startup
2: do you know what's interesting is i actually come from a family that has some pretty significant entrepreneurs in it um i have there are five kids in my family i'm I'm the middle child i have one of everything uh, older brother younger brother older sister younger sister and my two brothers actually um are really uh heavily into entrepreneurship um within the biotech sphere in Canada. I'm not going to say what, you know, who they, who they are, or what they work for, but they've been involved in some pretty major successes and have raised a lot of revenue um, for their, for their initiatives. But I think from my perspective, it, it like, I come at this from the idea of what I define as success will, will be when I see a culture change within the medical profession and then when overall. Essentially people are seeing nature as one of the four one as one of the four pillars of health and essential for well-being. So when I feel like that message is 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 present kind of in general society, when I hear lots of my colleagues talking about recommending nature time, that's when I feel like I'll be successful. So I've you know, I've never really being a person who's who's wanted to amass great wealth or like live in a huge house or drive like a luxury car, those are not, those are not goals for me. Um, like what I see as as most important is living lightly on this earth, like having a light footprint, but also having a major impact in terms of changing other people's perceptions. So so the overall goals are not to make a lot of money here. The goal is just general society well-being um and i'm lucky i i totally realize that i'm lucky to work in a profession where you know i don't necessarily have to work full time as a family physician to feed my family and to you know to uh, to to be able to house myself and 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 live in an, an enjoyable lifestyle like i'm i'm lucky that i do have the time to dedicate to this but in terms of the lessons i guess or the the overall concepts of applying entrepreneurship to this i think having a growth perspective like just trying to reach as as kind of as many people as possible to get them as aware of our product as possible and and by again kind of leveraging media like earned media to spread our story um kind of knowing our target audience so right now i would say our our main target audiences for parx would be young adults with mental health concerns, um, as well as people with chronic diseases, we really tried to define our target audience and kind of gear our resources, um, and messaging and communications in, in that way. Um, I'm lucky to work with people who do have a business background, um, at the BC Project Foundation, like our CEO, Dr. Andrew Day has been really great at kind of, you know, steering me away from, from, well not steering me away but kind of supplementing the crunchy granola I want to save the planet I don't really care about you know about myself um idea and and trying to trying to figure out how we can sort of make make it a like a self-sustaining enterprise and we we do have some ideas like we we have been approached by some major funders um we have some exciting partnerships that we're gonna going to announce coming up soon where perhaps you know we can start to, to fund it in more than just kind of like a volunteer capacity. But I would say, you know, even if I don't end up ever making any, any money personally from this initiative, just seeing the culture change and, and knowing that we've launched across the country and that physicians, nurses, licensed health professionals are using our program um, to connect their patients, patients to nature and improve overall health. That's what will make me happy. That's what I view as success.
0: To build up on that. Uh, How do you think the nature prescription movement has changed over the past few years? It's a two-parter. And the second part is, where do you hold bits going within, I don't know, five to ten years?
2: Do you know what? I think here in Canada, we're on the forefront of changing the nature prescription idea away from something that's only for humans, like only to benefit human health, and something that's going to benefit planetary health. So with a lot of other nature prescription initiatives elsewhere in the world, they focus on, again, individual health benefits um, and then also the benefit of getting people interested in conservation in general. And it's really kind of focused on on the benefit to, to nature conservation specifically. But there, in fact, is research out there showing that people who are more connected to nature are more likely to engage in pro-environmental behaviors. So this goes beyond nature conservation. This extends to recycling, energy conservation, political advocacy. Um, it it goes beyond just the nature sphere. And so what we're really trying to communicate with PARX is to to a lot of healthcare professionals is is every time you prescribe nature, hopefully that's making your patient more connected to nature and then in turn is growing the body of of people who are concerned about our planet in general, not just nature, which is by the way, extremely important. It's like um, if we fully embrace nature-based solutions for climate change, that'll get us over a third of the way towards our Paris, our twenty thirty Paris Agreement targets. But it's just it's just a way, I think, to catalyze a, a like a larger environmental movement, um, which I which I think is one reason why it's had such great uptake in in learners and in physicians who are really concerned about climate change in the environment. So I think that's I think that's a direction that the nature prescription movement is definitely moving in. And in fact, I was a co-author on a paper in the British Medical Journal recently that spoke about green prescribing as a sustainability initiative within healthcare. And that's a new thing. That's like a new concept that hasn't really been out there. So I'm really proud of that. And then in terms of where I see this going in the future, um, that's, a gr- that's a great question. So in terms of our own initiative, we are focusing on, on formalizing the education of it. So we're working on, a, on a, an accredited continuing medical education module uh, for prescribers to learn and get credits for learning how to prescribe nature effectively and the health benefits of nature. And then I think probably there's going to be more of a a technology aspect to, to this whole initiative, which is kind of funny because you think about it, we want people outside in nature and connecting to nature. We don't want them looking at their smartphones, but I think it's, you can't get away from that in this world, you know, in terms of the younger generation being, being brought up with, with phones, you know, in their back pockets all the time, sometimes it's actually hard to get people out into nature unless they have their tech with them. And so we're also working on an app that will connect and incentivize um, people to spend more time in nature. And we've had some really interesting conversations with um, some groups elsewhere in Canada and actually in the US who, who are trying to make that as kind of seamless and easy for people as possible. So that's the next step I think is incorporating tech um, into into nature prescribing and connecting people to nature
0: thank you for listening to this episode of how it's Med. if you liked what you heard
1: please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on also if you have
0: any feedback on what you just heard we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website howitsmed.com that way we can create better content that suits you Till next time bye-bye